The last member of my college friend group that got married was Dave Schinkelberg. Remember that name? And he had asked another friend of ours, Gary, Gary and I to be in his wedding, which was to take place in Ohio. And so I knew Gary and I, we decided we'd ride together to Ohio, and I knew we were going to be on the road for a long time together, so I went down to WCBH and Casey, where I was working a little bit at the time, and I spent the evening putting together a mixtape, songs that we could listen to on our way to Ohio, all those hours in the car. Now, what do you think I put on that tape? You think I put the newest songs that, that they're playing on the radio? No. Do you think I put hits from your, from your day, you know, whenever that would have been? No. Pure 80s rock and roll, baby. That's what I put on this. Mid-80s rock. 38 special, The Boss. Starship. We, we built the city on rock and roll. And aha, take on me. All of those hits from the 80s, the songs that were formative to our relationship, to our friendship, the songs that Gary and I had listened to in the dorms, the songs that we had listened to when we were supposed to be studying but weren't, songs we were listening to in the greatest of times and in the heartbreaks, songs that, songs that we listened to while we were driving his beat-up old Nova to McDonald's or Hardee's for dinner. Songs that were a part of our history together. Now, I want you to keep that idea, that image in your mind when you think of the book of Psalms that we have in our Bibles. It is a mixtape. It is not a random collection of the songs of Israel. The book of Psalms is not a collection of every song that Israel ever sang. That, that would be so much longer, so much more. Whoever put this book together, this book of Psalms, this collection of 150 songs, whoever put it together chose songs that connected the people of God, their experiences, the, the life that they lived together, their successes and their failures, their exile far from home, their return and how they held on to the promises of God, and that even in the middle of the difficulties of life, God had not abandoned them, because the Holy Spirit that inspired this collection of 150 songs continues to live within us. They continue to speak to us today. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago we went to Psalm 1, which from the very beginning, Psalm 1 cements us in the firm foundation of the Word of God. You could flip right back to Psalm 1 and look at those first two verses. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then right there on the heels of that very foundational psalm, we come to Psalm 2, page 448 in those blue Bibles. Psalm 2 is a reminder that the world we live in makes a lot of noise. There's a lot of turmoil in this world where there are so many people who are fighting to be heard in this world. So what does the noise around us sound like with our feet planted firmly in the Word of God, with our, with our hearts centered on the will of God? Psalm 2, beginning in verse 1, the first three verses, 
Why do the nations rage? And the people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. I was thinking about the songs on that cassette tape over there. Classic 80s rock. But Gary and I were listening to those songs almost 10 years later. 10 years after our friendship had formed. Those songs no longer really applied to us, nor were they the songs that the, that the next generation were listening to. We were now hearing those songs with, with wives, with full-time jobs, with kids on the way, maybe, maybe a kid already at, for that matter. And whether we wanted to admit it or not, life had moved on. We no longer had the energy to bang our heads. And I'm not saying we didn't bang our heads to those songs, but we no longer had the energy and maybe we turned them down just a little bit. We didn't listen to them as loud as we used to. By the time Israel's mixtape is put together, they have grown, they have failed, they have struggled. They are barely holding it together, barely recovered. And these songs continue to speak to them just as they continue to speak to us. So songs continue to speak to us. And that's, that's good news. Because, you know, it's not just the songs that continue to speak to us. But you read from that very first verse, and you have to admit the nations continue to rage today. I, we don't know when this song was written, Psalm 2. We don't know when it was written, but from the very first verse, I think it could have been written yesterday. It could have been written yesterday. Uh, Verse 1, why do the nations rage? The psalm makes it clear. There is a senseless rage going on in our world. It is pointless. The second half of verse 1, why do they plot in vain? Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, the message, he puts it this way. Why the big noise, nations? What is the, what is the noise gaining you? How is the noise of this world getting you anywhere? And what I love about this psalm is it doesn't have to convince us, does it? It doesn't have to convince us that the world is raging, that the nations are making... Have you guys noticed that a lot of people are yelling about a lot of stuff these days? Yeah, you've noticed that, right? You've not been living under a rock. You've, you've heard the rage of the nations. It jumps right in and it just has it as a given. The nations are raging. And so it asks the question, why? Why are the nations raging? It wants answers. And then it gives us answers. They are raging against God. They are raging against His plan, His purpose, the way that He reveals Himself in our world. The rage of the rulers of the earth, that rage is rebellion against God. Look again at verse 3. Let us burst. This is what the nations are saying. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. They want nothing to do with God. They want nothing to do with His rule or His character in their lives. They want to break His bonds. They want to cast His chains off. But what they don't see is that these are the chains of family. These are the bonds of family. What God wants in our submission is for us to come near to know Him as our Father. Today of all days, we see that. To know His love. We sing songs about that, don't we? We are one in the bond of love. Remember that one? We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the Spirit of God. 
We are one in the bond of love. Why do the nations rage? Why do they rage? You notice the psalm isn't addressed to the nations. It's not addressed to the kings of the earth in verse 2. No, it's addressed to you and me. It's addressed to God's people. The point uh, th That points to two important truths that I think we need to hold on to. First of all, God hears the rage of the nations. They're not fooling Him. He knows that the nations rage. And second, and I think we need this reminder for ourselves, the rage is not of God. The point is not in this psalm that the good guys need to make more noise and drown out the rage of the nations. Rather, he's calling us to recognize then and now that the rage of the nations is their attempt to drown out our trust in God. The rage of the nations. There is big money to be made off of the rage of the nations. There are plenty of people out there who will devote themselves, their empires, to broadcasting the rage of the nation. News stations, internet platforms that tell you nothing, about, nothing but about the rage of the nations. And don't, don't let them fool you. Don't let, the nation, don't, let, don't let those platforms, don't let the networks fool you. They don't care. They don't care if you're on the right or on the left. They don't care what you believe in. They don't care what drives you. All they want to do is sell you stuff. The goal is to sell you stuff, whether it's pills or pillows or insurance or burial plots. They've got you covered, don't they? They've got everything that you're going to need. Their goal is not to inform you. Their goal is to get you angry, to get you worked up, to get you raging, because they know if they get you worked up, you will not turn them off. You will rage right along with them. And that's the great temptation that we have the world is making noise, so we want to make noise right back. They rage, so we rage. We just have to get louder. If we get louder, that'll fix it. All that does is add to the confusion of this world. All that does is add to the confusion in this world about who we are and what we are about. There are people out there who want nothing to do with the church because all they've heard of us is our rage. They've heard too much of our anger. Haven't seen enough of our Jesus. So rather than rage, what does God do? Verse 4 He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The world rages. And God laughs. Why? Because He sees the futility of their rage. They fight His will. They fight His ways. They pull at the bonds. But again, they don't see that these are the bonds of family. These are bonds of belonging. God is inviting them to come near. And in that nearness, He's inviting you also. He is inviting you because you are the reason for His joy. You are the reason for His laughter. Sky Jatani is a popular Christian author. I, I read a lot. and I've shared his writings with you. I've shared his book, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church? Sky Jatani says that this psalm is inviting us, you and me, to reconsider the circumstances of this world from heaven's point of view. To lift our eyes to a higher altitude 
And remember God's promise to you. His promise of love. His promise of His power. His promise of His justice. The object of His joy is found in that declaration in verse 6. God says, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill. While the nations rage, God's purpose has already been accomplished. And so you and I are left with a choice. We could rage with the nations. We can either rage with the nations and live in their frustration, or we can laugh at the Lord. And we can know that Jesus reigns. It seems anymore that people are only interested in the noise. All they want to do is make noise. Whether it's our world, whether it's the media, whether it's politics, they've got us fooled into believing that the goal is to find the rage that you like. Find the rage that you want to hear more. Whether it's left or right, whether it's liberal or conservative, whether it's this cause or that cause, just find the rage that you can rage along with. The goal is not to find the right rage. The goal is to laugh with your Lord. To be in on the joke that their rage is temporary. Their rage is fleeting. Their rage is doing them no good. But the reign of Jesus is eternal. It is never ending. So why would we rage? Verse 6, the God responds to the noise of the nations. And He says, As for me, I have set my King on Zion, my holy hill. You hear Jesus in that, don't you? I have set my King on Zion, my holy hill. You hear Jesus in that so much so that when we get to verse 7, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Where have you heard that before? You go to Mark chapter 1. Jesus goes out to the Jordan to be baptized by His cousin John. He goes down in the water and when He comes up, there's a voice from heaven saying what? You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. From the earliest days of our faith, from the earliest days of our faith, Christians have read verse 7 and said, that's Jesus. That's about Jesus right there. Everything in this passage points to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You think about how the nations raged against Jesus himself. Starting from his childhood, Herod hears that there's been a baby born in Bethlehem. What does he do? He rages. He sets out to kill all the babies born in, in Bethlehem. You see Jesus in His ministry, the Sadducees and the Pharisees plotting and scheming against Him. You hear Pilate, the Roman official. There it is, the nation's raging. Pilate, the Roman official, sentencing Him to death. None of that stopped God's purpose. We move on to the book of Acts and we have persecutions. We have, we have the, the Apostle James being beheaded. We have the church scattered and in hiding. We move on to church history and we see the lions and we see Christians persecuted. We come up to today and there are parts of our world where Christians are arrested for their faith. There are places in our world where they are murdered for their faith. The nations rage. But none of that changes the fact that Jesus reigns. And so God's call is not for us to rage back. 
God's call is not for us to, to raise more noise, uh, to raise our clamor against them. God's response isn't even revenge. God's response is redemption. I have set my king on Zion. So why? That's why he who sits in heaven laughs because he knows that their noise comes to nothing. So what do we do? We have a choice. We can either rage with the nations or we can laugh at the Lord and know that Jesus reigns. And the call through this psalm, in fact, the call all the way through Scripture, is that in the midst of the rage of the nations, Jesus invites you to come near to Him. We've not, only done, we've not always done a good job of that. We've not always done a good job of displaying our faith while the world around us rages. Too often we have raged right back. We have raised our own clamor. We have made our own noise. And if we didn't have something to be angry about, the world gave us something to be angry about. They've told us that we ought to be angry, that we ought to be indignant, that we ought to be upset about things. They didn't say Merry Christmas to me at that store. They're against me. They don't, I don't like what they're selling over there at that store. Well, don't, don't go to that store. The, the final push of the psalm, the very one the nations are raging against speaks out. The very one that the nations are raging against is the one who calls you to come close. Verses 10 through 12. Now therefore, God says, now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Did you hear who's being addressed in this final stanza? It's the kings. It's the ones who are raging in this world. And you hear the warning, but hear it also as grace because he's giving them a chance. Verse 11 Serve the Lord with fear. He's giving them a chance to serve. Verse 12, kiss the Son. He's giving them a chance to come near, to honor Jesus. A chance to know Him in the way that you and I know Him. And I'll remind you, that doesn't mean a thing if we're not willing to lay down our rage and find peace. Peace not just for ourselves, but peace that our world can see. Peace for others as we come near to Jesus. I read this and I, I can't help but think of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. It's there that he calls us, he calls his readers. Ephesians 4, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, whoa, did you hear that? Clamor? That's that rage. That's that noise. That's the, the noise of our nations. It's not for us. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let me give you a word of advice. If watching the news makes you angry, stop it. Stop watching the news for a while. Oh, you, don't, you don't understand, Brad. I've I got to know what's going on. Did Psalm 2 just tell you what's going on? Oh, the nations are raging. Yeah, that's what it says. It says it right there. The nations are raging and God is laughing. What else do you need to know? 
And I guarantee you, you will not hear that from the perspective of those talking heads at their news desks on TV. None of them are going to sit there and say, well, God laughed in heaven today. He laughed at our politicians. He laughed at those who are in charge of things. No. And if all the news is doing is getting you worked up, if all the news is doing is keeping you from the peace of Christ, then you've got to decide, what do I want more? Do I want the peace of Christ or do I want to rage with the nations? Which one do I really want? That's why, that's why we're reading Unoffendable this summer. Because the news is not going to tell you this. The news is not going to tell you that you can choose to stop being offended. That you can choose to stop being angry. No one out there is going to tell you that. We've got to do it on purpose. No one out there is going to tell you that it's okay to put away uh, the, the wrath, the bitterness, the anger, the noise, the clamor. No one out there is going to tell you that. We have to choose it. Find a voice of reason and find a voice of peace among all the noise. Jesus is inviting you to come near. Let Him reign in you. Let Him reign in you so you can laugh with Him. Psalm 2 ends with that promise. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. The last line of the psalm is a blessing. It's a beatitude. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. Blessed are those who take refuge in Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, you know, if you go back to Psalm 1, how did Psalm 1 begin? Blessed. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Both of these psalms put together are foundational to us. They set our feet firmly in the Word of God. They draw us near to the Son of God to come near Him and know Him. And in that place, find His peace and it becomes our peace. And so it comes down to this. You've got a choice. You can rage with the nations or you can laugh with the Lord. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to choose to laugh with the Lord. We're going to choose to laugh. I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to choose to drown out the noise of this world with the character of Christ, with the love of Jesus. And I believe if we do that together, there is no rage that is loud enough to drown us out to drown Jesus out. We come to the table. This is not just something we do at the beginning of the week. This becomes the center of our existence. The bread, the cup. It's not just a, it's not just a little cracker. It's not just a little cup of juice. It becomes the very lifeblood of who we are. By taking this, you are choosing Christ this week. And you are choosing to define where you stand in this world and in the midst of this world's anger, in the midst of this world's clamor, you are choosing to stand at his table. And you're saying, this is where I am. This is who I am. I'm going to submit to Christ. I'm going to give my life for all that he's done for me. I'm going to pray. We'll sing a song that you all know very, very well. And we'll remind ourselves and we'll remind anyone who listens around us of the grace that we've all received. Let's pray. Father, our nation's rage, our world rages. 
or they seem so much more angry today. Maybe, maybe there's just so many more avenues for them to be loud. Lord, it is so hard to hold on to you in the midst of all of that noise. It is so hard to not be angry back. Yet again and again, we come to the table. We come to the place where we have to see Jesus as our host, where we have to see Jesus' blood as our lifeblood, where we see his broken body as our example. And we say, I want that more than the noise, more than the clamor, more than the attention that, that this world gives. We want Christ. And so today we empty ourselves. We lay down our anger and clamor and slander and malice and every, everything that we've ever done to make noise. And we lay it all down so that Christ can be seen in us. We come near. We kiss the sun. We make him our Lord. Thank you for this bread that reminds us the body that was broken for us, this cup that reminds us of the bloodshed. And we thank you for loving us and coming near. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.